Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest spent 13 years coaching at the college level. She started her journey at Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, and broke into Division I as a graduate assistant at the University of Oregon. From there, she spent three years at TCU and then on to Iowa State, where she helped with the Cyclones for three NCAA appearances, finishing in the Sweet 16 twice. She eventually became the head basketball coach at the University of Akron. Now, that journey was exciting. It was filled with so many triumphs, but it eventually took a nosedive, and it was that nosedive that took Kelly Kennedy on a roller coaster of a ride where she eventually discovered her faith. She's going to share her journey from a rise to the top to a major fall and a revelation of truth today on Connections. We're joined today by Kelly Kennedy. She's an author, a coach, and a mentor. She has an amazing story of triumph, defeat, and then redemption. And it's all thanks to God. We're going to hear about that coming up on today's show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you into the world of basketball and coaching. So I was, I grew up Kelly Kibi, and I'm the youngest of 10 children. I have seven brothers and three sisters. Wow. So you can imagine I grew up in a pretty competitive household <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even to the fact, you know, fighting for your meal as the youngest. Um, so I, we also grew up in, in an abusive home. So, uh, you know, we were very competitive in sports. Uh, my, my, my dad was, was abusive in the sense, verbally abusive. So we witnessed that and grew up in a, in a pretty stressful home and, sports was our outlet. So with my brothers and imagine I'm the youngest, I just wanted to be one of the guys competing and getting on the field. They played baseball in the, in the field behind us. And I would sit there and wait, 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 like try to get my, my nod to play. And finally one day I did get the nod and I felt like I was one of the guys like, yes, I I've, I've made it in, into that, um, into that world. And so sports was awesome and, and a passion. And then basketball became my outlet. It was my happy place out on the basketball court. I'd be shooting. It would be 35 degrees in the winter and I'm out, out, out on the driveway shooting. It gave me peace from the home inside that was, that was tumultuous. So growing up, that was where I got I started to play basketball more and more and just loved it and grew in that passion. So I played through high school and ended up playing in college. And when I was in college, I started working basketball camps and I worked at these camps that were top notch and the who's who of the basketball world was involved in these basketball camps. And I just loved it. And I got to coach and play with players at a higher level during our staff games at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like we just loved to play the game. And as far as getting into coaching, I actually went to Case Western Reserve for college. And I went there because I wanted to go to med school. And Case was one of the top med schools in the country. So being the competitive one that I am, I want the best. But I didn't realize that there was competition in the classroom. I had competition on the court. I was so used to that, right? But I'd be like, hey, um, can someone help me here study for this chemistry, chemistry test? I'm really struggling. And, and 
they weren't as willing to help all the time in the classroom. Like, Hey, teamwork people, where's our teamwork? So chemistry and organic chemistry kicked my butt. And I'm thinking, I can't, I I don't want to be a doctor. What do I want to do? So I sat in my dorm room and my passion was basketball. And I loved the camps and I loved teaching and coaching. And in my dorm room, I wrote down the goal. I played at a division three school, but I said, I want to be a division one head basketball coach. And I wrote it down my sophomore year in college. And from that day on, I worked every day to do what it took to get that coaching position. At this point in your life, was faith any, anywhere in your life at all? I grew up, I grew up Catholic and went to church every Sunday. I did not miss mass. Even in college, I had my college roommate. We would make sure we got to Sunday mass, even if we were out late the night before, probably doing what we shouldn't be doing. Um, but I went to church, but, but didn't quite, I wasn't quite where I needed to be. And we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So your professional coaching journey, that was an extreme high for you. Tell us about that experience and how everything went with that. So I told you that I set that goal and what you learn in coaching is relationships. So how do you, it's who, you know, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, and that's a lot in life as well. But I learned that every day in life you're on an interview. So I started making relationships with coaches. So after I graduated from college, I got my first coaching job at uh, Southwestern University. It was a Division three school. But I really, really wanted the, to get into the Division one level. And a friend of mine who I met working these camps years ago, she actually was the assistant at Oregon. So she, she said, hey, you got to apply for this job. So, and I'm sharing this because it's just all part of the cool journey. So the job was open, the graduate assistant position, and the head coach, I knew where she was going to be that summer for recruiting. And I really wanted this job. So I was going to do everything I can't, could to not let her say no. So it, I, got, I called the graduate program at the University of Oregon. I got accepted to the MBA program. I was all set. So I met Jody in this gym. I just sat in this gym, waited till she, she came in. And I sat next to her. I said, hi, um, Coach Rungi. My name is Kelly Kibi. I'm going to be your next graduate assistant. She's like, oh, really? <laughs> so I, I, I kind of prepped myself for that. So I broke into the division one level. And then from there, it's just relationships. And when you're out recruiting, people see you and they see how you work. So I got to get the next position at the, then I went to TCU. So the grad or the senior women's administrator at Oregon I got to know her. She knew the head coach who got just got the job at TCU and said, hey, you got to check this kid out. So he brought me down for an interview down to TCU and bam, got that job and was there for three years. And then again, the next position. So there's three levels of coaching, the grad assistant and first assistant, second assistant. So I got the second assistant position there. And then I moved up to Iowa State. 
Iowa State, now that was an awesome, awesome place. So imagine a waterfall. So the doors open to the Coliseum and kids fought for seats to get the front row seats. They just flooded into Uh the arena. And we averaged 11,000 fans a game at Iowa State and had an amazing career there. As an assistant, we won two Big 12 championships and went to the Sweet 16. And if you know basketball, everyone knows March Madness. You hear about it. If you're not a basketball fan, I'm sure you've heard about it. But getting to the Sweet 16 uh, two years in a row, that was, a, that was pretty huge. And, and so then, um, as being an assistant on that staff and having success, then I got, coach, I got calls to be a head coach. So the next opportunity, the University of Akron called, and Mike Thomas was the athletic director, and he called and, you know, I interviewed for the job, but, but I got that position as the head coach, and I, I reached my goal, and, you know, I felt like I'd, I had arrived. It was pretty amazing. Now, you did that for a while before your journey all of a sudden uh, took a nosedive. Tell us about that. Oh, the fun part. (laughs) (laughs) So we'd been, I I was the head coach there for four years and I took over a program that was really the worst program in the country. And to fix that, you know, you had to go through a lot to, to get the program to be respectable division one program. And we were doing, we were doing things to prepare our team, but the wins weren't happening. And then as the seasons rolled on, it was just, it ended up being loss after loss. And it was really, really a tough situation. There were things with my staff that weren't going well. And I knew it. I felt it. I felt the tension. I felt the toxicity. And I, and I, I knew there were things that I, I just couldn't fix. And I'm driving home from work one day. It was uh, end of the season. My daughter Molly's in the backseat of the car. It's cold and it's raining, and I had just reached the end of of my rope, really. And I'm driving home, like bawling my eyes out. I turn the radio up so Molly can't hear me crying, and Carrie Underwood comes on the radio. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And I I say this, I I did not literally throw my hands up because that would be dangerous, (laughs) but figuratively threw my hands up and said, okay, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, this is a mess. I'm, I'm lost help. And a month later, I had my meeting with my athletic director and I knew he was a new athletic director. And I knew, I mean, I I didn't expect, Hey, you're doing awesome. Great job. But I had a year left on my contract. So I thought, all right, I got one more year to save face and maybe turn things around a bit. I walk in his office and had our little cordial greetings. And then he said, um, we're, you're no longer going to be our basketball coach. You can choose to resign or be fired. I'm like, option wow. A, option B, really don't like those is there a c somewhere um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> above uh no option c so 
I did. I, I resigned from my position at the University of Akron and I went home and I was destroyed. I mean, that was my identity. My life was in coaching. It was who I was. And it was so built up in that, that I, I, I just didn't know where to go and what to do. And I had a year left on my contract. So it was, you can't go get another job. So I had to sit back and not coach for a year. And I knew, and it was just, it just destroyed me at that point. And really like interesting, because up until that point in that difficult season, you're used to success and you're a coach. If there's a problem, you fix things. (laughs) Now you're thrust into this position. You can't fix it. Exactly. And coaches, what do we, we love control. And I had, I had no control over the situation. So I spent the next literally, so I had the shame and the embarrassment of being losing my job as a a high profile position and just, yeah, that defeat, like I hadn't failed like that before. And so I spent the next eight years in that shame and like almost hiding from, from coaching. I, I kept my foot in by doing some recruiting, helping athletes with recruiting. I, I was very entrepreneurial. So I just started businesses and my, my need, what I felt was to replace that income that I lost. That was also my identity. And I had that greed, like I need, I need to make money to feel like I'm worthwhile. And so I spent the next eight years <laughs> working businesses and, and starting businesses and to, to fill that void. It was at an, a conference, um, from what I understand, though, where things kind of changed for you and you got a different perspective on, on life and, and your faith. Tell us about that. Yeah, so during this, this uh, entrepreneurial uh, journey, a friend of mine, she said, if you want to make more money, you need to grow. And the bait was the money. I'm like, all right, if I can make more money, I'm in. So my husband and I went to this business conference and the the instructor, she's teaching. And at one point she says, how do you answer to your boss? And I sat there and out loud in a room of a thousand people, I said, what if you don't have a boss as an entrepreneur? That's why you do what you do because you want to work for yourself. And she (laughs) kind of looks at me And she points to the sky and she says, that's your number one problem. And at that moment, I was brought to my knees. I I thought, oh my gosh, I've been living my life thinking me, all about me and answering to what society thinks is success. And I did not have that relationship with my Heavenly Father and it just... So I then spent the next six years. So yes, 14 years from coaching to, (laughs) to, so it took, took some time, but I spent the next six years working on that relationship with my heavenly father. And I had the opportunity in 2019 to go to Israel and it was called the father daughter trip. And I didn't really know that relationship because I, I didn't have that earthly father. So I'm like, what is this father daughter relationship 
that she's talking about. And mm-hmm. I love the water. I, that's my happy place. And I, you put me on a boat in sunshine on the water and I'm like, ah. so in Israel, we get on the boat on the sea of Galilee. And as soon as I stepped on that boat on the water, I just felt the warm arms of my heavenly father say, I know you, I love you. I made you who you are and you are awesome and wonderful. And I just, I lost it there and just knew that there's nothing, I'm nothing without him. And and that has changed my life. And now to go forward with that. And going forward, how has that changed your life? <laughs> I, I've taken so much time to reflect on the things that I didn't do. Right. And, and one forgiveness. So I was able to forgive myself. I was able to give, forgive my father. I was able to just repair all that hurt and pain and embarrassment and shame. So now I can move forward in a healthy, positive way in my life. And the way I look at people now, one, I want to share Jesus and and that relationship and, and how important it is in life with others. And it changed the way I coach. I coach more out of love rather than out of, you know, we need to win and we need to do it this way. I, I don't need that control. I'm, I'm more focused on the person and not the, you're, you're not an, you're not a basketball player. You are a person who plays basketball. So who is that person that you are and how can I help you be the best that you can be? And now you're sharing your story with everybody. Brand new book, Broken to Bold. Tell us a little bit about that. Broken to Bold. It is my journey of, I say, a rise to the top. That's the getting the coaching position, being at the top of my profession. The major fall of losing my identity, losing all that I thought I was because of that job. And then a revelation of truth. What is the truth? The truth is that without, without God in my life, without him as my number one, I am really nothing. So I use that book to share lessons. It was in, initially intended for coaches. So when I'm writing and I'm writing for, for other coaches so that they don't make the mistakes that I made and learn some lessons along the way. But really it's, it's about life anybody who's fallen and fallen hard how do you recover from that and really digging into who you are as as a child of god i mean that's the ultimate uh for me is to is to share that message that hey you're loved and there's nothing you could do that can take you away from that love of god so um no matter what you did in the past move forward from today on and and you can live a life of love and peace. For those who want to learn about your book, want to learn more about you, how can they go about doing that? It's available on Amazon. And also you could go to my website, coachkellykennedy.com 
and I'm a you can you can view other things on my site um, as well and order the book there and I'll send an autographed copy if you like right on Kelly thank you so much for sharing a part of your story with us and uh, look forward to uh, checking out that book too great thanks Colleen and Mike thank you for having me and you guys are doing great work keep it up and thank you so much for listening today don't forget to subscribe we'll talk to you again on connections